see with our eyes Jesus to see with our eyes the Father and to worship I've had the opportunity to, to sing and worship in groups of thousands of people there's just something about it that's so amazing but uh, I just want to sing that chorus a couple more times and just envision what that's going to be like this morning oh praise the name of the Oh, praise His name forevermore, for endless days we will sing Your praise, Lord, oh Lord our God, for endless days we will sing. dismiss the children at this time to go to kids church this next song we're going to do this morning is a, a new one and uh, it's just called the goodness of god worship with us as we sing Mercy never fails me and all my days I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up till I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God your voice you have led me through the fire in darkest night you are close like no other I've known you as a father 
known you as a friend and I have lived in the goodness of God and all my life you have been faithful and all my life you have been so so goodness of God. Sing, all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so
of the goodness of God. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Thank you, Lord. You are good to us. Thank you, Lord, for the breath in our lungs this morning. Thank you, Lord, for food and clothing and shelter and all the things we take for granted every day. But thank you, Jesus, most of all for your salvation. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you. We worship you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. Amen. We're just going to take a 10-minute break at this time. There's some food and drinks outside. Just take a few minutes to fellowship and meet someone you haven't met before this morning. Thank you.
precious one, a child you died to save. If you gave your life to love them, so lie. Look you again a hundred billion times. But what measure could amount to your desire? Cause you're the one who never leaves the one behind. Breathe deep, every breath I take is from you. All right, we are going to start. If you want to bring it in, nice and tight, nice and tight. And who knows how to kill the music? I guess I'll kill the music. Thank you for being here at church service this morning. Uh, like we do, can we give a round of applause for everyone who serves in some capacity here? Come on, show some love. That's awesome. Uh, if this is your first time ever here, uh, you can fill out the blue card just in front of you. Leave it at the back. Uh, we have a gift for you to say thank you for being here. Uh, just a few announcements before we get started here officially. Uh, next week is the Binbrook Fair, which is always fun. If you haven't been to the Binbrook Fair, you have to go to the Binbrook Fair. It's just down the road. And uh, every year there's a community church service, so all the churches get together to have one big service in the grandstands where the derby is. So uh, we are there next week, okay? So it's at 10 a.m., so don't come here next week at 9 a.m. It's, it's 10 a.m. at the grandstand, so right at Memorial Hall. And uh, it's just going to be a great time. You get free entry into the fair as well for the rest of the day, which is like 10 bucks or something, or uh, 5 bucks. And you also get free breakfast just because it's great and it, it, it's really awesome, okay? So uh, I really want to encourage you to come to that. It's, it's always fun just kind of showing the unity of the churches together. We're all on the same team. We're all focused on Jesus. Uh, it, it's great. And i got to bring this up. 
Um, little baby Jude was born just the other day. So the Castellanas had their little baby, and he is like the cutest little thing ever. So uh, make sure you give those guys a hug or a high five or something and see just Google Gaga over the baby. Because it's, yeah, come on, show some love. Come on. It's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. So, uh, yeah, we're just so proud of little baby Jude already. He's going places. He's going places. It's great. Um, so we're going to dismiss the youth at this time. So if you're grade 5, 6, 7, or 8, you can head to the exit sign right at the back. And there is a tent that we set up out back. And that's where youth is going to be, just underneath the tent. Okay, have a great time uh, there today. Okay, so I know, I know I've told you like 20 stories of me trying to put my son to bed, okay? But I just can't resist. He just keeps giving me new stories every time, okay? So... Uh, I'm realizing a trend that every time I try to put my son, he's three years old, to bed, he always asks the same thing. He always says, Dada, please, can you build me five Lego planes first? Then I'll go to bed, you know? And I'm like, ah. And every night, it's like, all right, you know, it's like literally the easiest little simplest thing. But it's like, it it, could take a while or whatever. So um, I'm catching on to him. And so I'm like, okay, so I, I go in like five minutes before, quickly build five little mini planes. He comes in, and then he's like, Dada, I'll go to bed, but please, can you build me five planes? And I'm like, okay, but as soon as I give you five planes, like, you have to go to bed. He's like, yes, yes, yes. So I'm like, aha, and I show him the five. And he's got horror in his face of like, oh, no, because really it's a tactic to stay up, right? He actually doesn't want five planes. He just wants to stay up. And I see his face. He's thinking, what have I done? And I'm thinking, yes, I win. I'm the smarter person. Yes, this is great. I'm the adult here. Um, and he says, Dada, you know, he, he pulls his Hail Mary, his trump card. He says, Dada, please, I need to build one more. And I'm like, no, man, we agreed. Once you had five planes, you're going to bed. And, and then he, he lays his card down. He says, but, Dada, I'm going to build the best one I've ever built. I'm like, no, man, that's not how it works. He's like, Dada, you built five planes for me. I want to build the best one for you. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, come on. You can't say no to that. It's like, ah. So obviously his time got extended. I let him build it for me. You know, And he's either the sweetest kid or a genius mastermind, it's like honestly, or maybe a little bit of both, I don't know. Um, but he doesn't understand why I want to get him to sleep because he sees the next five minutes in front of him, but I see the next morning where it's like extremely painful for the family getting up and getting ready and this kind of thing. So it's like I, I see the big picture where he does not see the big picture. And this whole summer that has just finished, summer vacation, we've been going through the biblical story arc, the biblical story narrative of just kind of what all the little stories in the Bible, the big picture of what they talk about. And I think it's important. And so I'll give you a quick little recap. We talked about the first week of how God made everything at the very beginning. God made humans. God made the world. God made everything. And us as humans, though, we sin and we go our, our own way. And then we talked about how there was a man named Abraham way, way, way back in the day. And God promised him one day your family is going to become a great nation. And then we talked about how that great nation, Israel, was led by a guy named Moses, and that's how they kind of were really established as a country. And then we talked about how one of the first kings of Israel was this guy named David, and he was a good king. He led them right. And then we talked about how Israel, as time went, though, they kind of went their own way, and God had to send these people called the prophets, people that would speak for God, to kind of get them to come back to him. And that's where the story started today. And and uh, it, it's a little interesting because we're going through a little bit of history today uh, because the scripture is actually built into two parts. There's the Old Testament and then the New Testament. And in between there, 
um, it, right as you finish the Old Testament and get to the New Testament, there's actually a 400-year gap of history. And normally, we don't really know what happened in the middle of that. But I want to give you a full, clear picture of kind of the whole biblical story. So we're going to give, go through a quick little history summary, okay, of, of, of what happened in that 400 years um, and then get to what happens right after that. Um, so th this is where the Old Testament ends, okay? This is where we ended off last time as well. So Israel, they were kind of like taken over by an empire, taken away. Um, then these people called the Persian Empire came, and they came and let Israel go back to where it was originally from, the nation was originally from, and they just rebuilt the temple, that's how they worship, and they just rebuilt the walls around the capital city, so they're kind of just reestablishing themselves as like, okay, maybe we, maybe we have a second chance here, maybe we've got this as a nation, okay, and that's where the Old Testament ends, and then the New Testament again just randomly starts off with Jesus again, so it's kind of like, okay, what happened in between, so this is what happened in between, okay, um, after the Persian Empire went for a little bit, there was something called the Greek Empire that came. And maybe you've heard of this person in history called Alexander the Great. He came, he conquered Persia, he conquered Israel. He actually went and met with Israel's leaders and they talked and this kind of thing. It's really interesting. And what happened was, as time went, the Jewish leaders who were in charge, they were really influenced by that empire and they kind of started going down the wrong path away from God. And the leadership kind of turned a little bit corrupt. And there were certain leaders that were like, you know, I like this new way of leading. This is awesome. Let's, uh, let's kind of like leave behind the old ways. Let's find this new way. And those people were called the Sadducees. And sometimes we hear about these people in the New Testament, these leaders. So they're kind of the leaders that like the change that happened. And then there was another kind of leader that were like, no, this isn't right how we're changing. We should stay true to God. We should stay true to what God wants us to do. Let's, let's stick with God. And these people were called the Pharisees. And you may have heard of the Pharisees. They're in, they're in the New Testament. And the Pharisees were actually great, needed people at this time that really helped people stay close to God, these Pharisees. And as time went to, um, the, not everyone made it back to Israel. So there was Jews kind of all over the world. So uh, the people that couldn't make it back to the temple, they decided, you know what, we could build these, these houses in these things called synagogues. And instead of going to the temple, we can worship God from these synagogues. So synagogues kind of were all over the place. And as, as time went, the Greek Empire kind of split into a bunch of pieces. And the Roman Empire came. And, that, you know, history is just literally empire after empire. You know, whose turn is it now? Whose turn is it now? You know, and the Roman Empire comes and takes over the Greek Empire and, and what it was split up to be. And at this point in history, the Roman Empire is led by a name named Caesar Augustus. Uh, who's actually, maybe you've heard of Julius Caesar, his nephew, okay? And at this point in time, right where the New Testament starts, the Pharisees, they started off so well, but at this point, they became so obsessed with following rules that they actually started putting rules ahead of following God. And they became more passionate about, do this, don't do this, don't, instead of having a relationship with God, okay? Um, so they started off really well, and then they kind of went downhill from there. And, and then... The New Testament starts, okay? So there's your, this is all split up over 400 years. There's a lot of details I'm missing, but that's kind of a snapshot of from the Old Testament right to the New Testament, okay? And here's what's interesting about this kind of in-between time. In 400 years, that was roughly the time, God had not sent any prophet. He had not spoken to anyone. It was silent. And kind of throughout the Bible, God's always, you know, speaking to someone, hey, go tell everyone this. Hey, go tell. And in this 400 years, nothing. Silence. And people are probably wondering, God, why aren't you speaking? What's going on here? And what people were really clinging on to during this time is the promise that God would send this person named um, the Messiah. The Messiah. And, and this person who was the Messiah was supposed to come 
and fix everything, okay? And, and we've talked about these promises all, all summer, but basically in the Old Testament, they were looking to the old stories where God would make promises of someone's really special coming, okay? So um, with Adam and Eve, God promised you, humans have sinned and turned away, but guess what? I'm sending someone from the human race that's going to fix everything. And so everyone's like, okay, we're still waiting for this person. And they called him the Messiah, right? And then with Abraham, God made a promise to Abraham. Someone from your family is going to bless the whole world and change the whole world. And again, Israel sees this person as this is the Messiah. There's this, this person that's coming. And then with Moses, someone was going to come and speak God's words. With David, someone was going to be the king forever. With the prophets, God was going to send this person the Messiah. That was going to change everyone. So, and, and by the way, we've talked about five promises about the, the Messiah kind of all summer. There were hundreds of promises in the Old Testament of God. You know, every story that happened, God would give a little hint of, oh, by the way, someone's coming really special. You'll, you'll see. Just wait and see. Oh, by the way, there's someone called the Messiah that's coming. He's going to change everything. And in the silence, everyone's just waiting for this Messiah. It's like we've had all these promises. Apparently this person's going to come and change everything. And, and we're not really sure what it looks like, but apparently this person's on the way. But the Romans are in control right now. Life is not good. God hasn't spoken. So we're just kind of clinging on to the promise that God, apparently you have this Messiah person coming. Please send the Messiah. And we don't really, or, or I should say, we know the full story. We know from the Old Testament to the New Testament kind of what happens. They didn't. This is what they thought the Messiah would do, okay? They thought the Messiah was going to be this soldier, this warrior that was going to raise up an army, fight all the Romans, defeat all the Romans, and then they were going to be king, and they were finally going to be in control, and they were going to have the power. That's what they thought the Messiah was going to do. And they're just waiting, and in the silence, God finally speaks. He finally speaks after 400 years, okay? Look, and you may have heard this story before. In Luke chapter 1, it says this. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Jesus, he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. And the scripture says that Mary was so happy. She was so honored. She, was, she had this mindset that was like, wow, I can't believe God is going to use me. Like all the promises in the Old Testament, all these promises about this Messiah that was going to change things and bless the whole world and save and speak on behalf of God, all these things. Wow, the promises are finally coming true. This is incredible. And what happens is Jesus grows up, and, you know, Mary's family is watching him. Like, is this, the, this is the Messiah. This is incredible. And this, again, this is a reminder. This is what they're expecting, a soldier, someone who's going to fight the Romans, someone who's going to lead them to glory, right? And look at an example of what Jesus would teach, okay? Look at an, an example of what Jesus would teach. Jesus once was teaching people. He said, you have heard the law that says the punishment must, must match the injury. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek. If you're sued in court and your shirt's taken, give your coat too. It's like, wait, 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 what? Jesus, Jesus, you're the Messiah. You're supposed to fight. <laughs> like, what, what, what do you mean turn the, other, turn the other cheek? What do you mean if someone sues you? It's like, oh, that's, that's all you want? Sure. Have, 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 what, what do you mean? And Jesus is so different. 
from what they thought the Messiah was going to be, right? And, and, and Jesus comes, and Scripture tells us that he teaches us who God actually is. And the Pharisees, at this point, had rules of God's this, and this angry guy in the sky, you know, ready to get you. And Jesus is like, actually, that's not who God is. And the Pharisees hate him for it, and they plot against him. And, and, and even when, you know, everyone else is writing Jesus off, like, okay, never mind. This guy can't be the Messiah. He's, he's too chill. He's too nice. He's too, he's too uh, uh, not about violence, you know? Like, there's no way that could be the Messiah. His friends, the people closest to Jesus, they come to the conclusion, though, that, no, no, he is. Look, in Matthew 16, this is what his friends say to him. You are the Messiah. Jesus, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And they kind of realize, you know what, even though no one else sees it, Jesus, we see it. You are the one we've been waiting for. You're the one that all the promises that God made in the past, they're all fulfilled in you. And then Jesus, as the Messiah, he makes a promise back, a final promise about the Messiah, okay? And it says this in Matthew 16. Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly, that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, that he would suffer many terrible things. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. And to Moses and his guys, I'll make one more promise for you. You know the promise to Adam and Eve and to Abraham and to Moses and to David and the prophets. You know all the promises about the Messiah. I'll give you one more. I'm going to die, but I will be back. And then the time comes. The Pharisees decide, okay, enough's enough. We've got to kill this guy. We got to stop him. They arrest him. And, and again, one of Jesus' friends pulls his sword out to defend Jesus. And Jesus is like, man, put the sword down. It's okay. This is the part of the plan. And uh, the soldiers arresting Jesus must have been thinking, right, this guy's the Messiah. Guy won't even fight us. Yeah, good, good luck with him as your leader, right? Like, good luck with, with overthrowing the Romans with this. Yeah, good, good luck. And they, the soldiers take Jesus and they, they give him to the Romans and, and they kill them. Put him on the cross. And as Jesus is on that cross, his friends, his disciples, the ones that were like, no, Jesus, you are the Messiah. They're probably looking at each other saying, I guess he's not the Messiah. I, I guess we were wrong. And the scriptures say that the Pharisees were there laughing at him saying, guy says he can save other people. He's on the cross. Save yourself. You can save everyone else. Save, save yourself. You see, Israel thought they knew what they needed. They thought that they needed a king to come, someone who was going to be really special, raise up an army, and fight the Romans. That's what Israel thought they needed. And they did not get that at all with Jesus. They got totally opposite with Jesus, right? And it's a sad story, right? Like, in that moment, if you're one of the disciples, it's like, we thought we had the Messiah fine. We thought the one that all the promises were about. And look, it, it's okay, though, because I have an encouragement for you today, okay? And this applies all the way to 2019 today, okay? It, it's simple, but it changes everything. And you can just put this right on the screen, okay, guys? Because th this, this is it. God knows what we need more than we do. God knows what we need more than we think we know what, what we need. What do we think we need God to be to today? Picture your life. What do you need God to be? What do you need God to do for you right now, okay? Guess what? God actually knows what we actually need, even when we don't. Even when we think, it's like, no, trust me, God, I need you to do this. Sometimes we don't know 
and we don't realize, okay? Where are we questioning God today where it's like, God, I need you to do this. I need you to do this. I need you to be this. And I feel like God is just saying back, I know best. It's, it's okay. I'm with you. I know what you need more than you know what you need. Look, 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 catch this, okay? And this, this is kind of the, the pinnacle of what I'm saying today, okay? When Israel thought that they needed a physical king to come and kill all the Romans and to save them, God knew that they needed more than that, okay? They didn't need a strong king with a big title, okay? They needed a humble king with no title. Okay, look, look, look. They didn't need a king to come kill the Romans. You know what they needed? They needed a king who would be killed by the Romans. They didn't need someone who would save them from the Roman Empire. They needed someone who would come and save them from their sin. They needed someone who would come and save them from evil. God knew what they actually needed. And look, I want to encourage you today. It is the same with us. You see, his, his friends, they forgot the promise that Jesus made, that he was supposed to die. That's the whole point. That's why he's here. And three days later, Jesus would rise again. And I'm telling you, this is the climax of all of Scripture, all of the Old Testament, every single story. It all points to this exact moment where Jesus was on that cross. He dies. He's put in a grave. And three days later, he rises again. Showing that he's not just a human. He's not just someone special. This is legit. Jesus who is divine. Jesus who is the son of God from heaven. With the master plan of saving everyone. And fixing everything. And, and when his friends saw him again, they remembered. Right, this is the final promise that he gave about what would happen to the Messiah. And all the other promises make sense now. Okay, All the other promises make sense. Okay, The promise to Adam and Eve that God was going to send someone. That would change, that, that, that would save the human race and would defeat evil. That was fulfilled in Jesus. The promise that was made to Abraham that the whole world would be blessed by someone from Abraham's family. Jesus was from Abraham's family. The promise made to Moses that God was going to send someone to speak God's words. That was Jesus. The promise that was made to David that there would always be a king on the throne. That was Jesus. The promise that all the prophets, that he would send someone. And again, there's hundreds and hundreds of prophets I, I, or promises. I wish we had time to go through every single one of them. But it's all fulfilled in Jesus. From the very beginning, the first story, it's about Jesus. The very end of the scripture, it's all about Jesus. It always points back to Jesus. And it, and, and, and it, it wasn't a promise. All these promises. It wasn't for a Messiah who would come and fight the Romans and set up this, this earthly kingdom. It was a promise for a Messiah to come. And Messiah means Savior, by the way. A Savior to come and save people from their sin. That was God's master plan. That was to, to set up a heavenly kingdom, a kingdom that we, we can't see, the kingdom of God, when God's will happens, when things happen that God wants, and the problem of evil and sin that started way back with Adam and Eve is taken care of. It's all fixed through Jesus. Our relationship with God is restored, and when we put our faith in him, when we believe it to be true, we can know God. We can have a relationship with God. We can live the purpose that he's put in us. God didn't just send some earthly king to fix things. He sent his son, one of the members of the Trinity. He sent himself to fix things because he loves us. And I know we talk about this every weekend. I, and I, I pray it never gets old to us, okay? I pray it never gets old that this is just this good news that God loves us. And Jesus came because he loves us. I pray it never gets old. 
God knows what we need more than we do. And, and what we need most in life is saving, a Savior. And he is that Savior. And, and you know, I, I want to just give a chance to anyone that if you're thinking, you know, you're borderline figuring out the whole God thing, figuring out the whole church thing, this kind of thing, I, I want to let you know today is a great opportunity to say, yes, Jesus, I will give you a chance. I will follow you. I put my faith in you. You know what's best. You know what I really need. I, I, I have my ideas of what I need. I need this and this and this. But God, you really know deep down what I need most. And to be honest, it, it's him. What we need most is Jesus. So th this is my challenge for all of us, okay? And to, here in 2019, I challenge you to trust that he knows best. I challenge you to trust that he will always take care of us, regardless of what we're going through, okay? So when it comes to your job and your career, okay, he knows best. He's with you. He'll, he'll, he'll see you through, okay? When it comes to money stuff, he's with you. He knows best, okay? He's with you. When it comes to your partner in life that you're either with or you're looking for, okay, or whatever that looks like, he knows best, okay, and, and he's with you. When it comes to the friends that you have, the school that you're at, family stuff, safety stuff, health stuff, whatever it is, God knows best, and he actually knows what we really, really need, okay? And, and I want to just encourage you, if something bad is happening right now, he's with you, okay? He's going to see you. He's going to see you through. Sometimes, and, and I look at my own life, it's like, I think I know. It's like, God, trust me. This is what I need you to do. Trust me. Like, you need, God, you need to trust me. And it's like, no, no, Michael, you need to trust me. And I, I want you just to pause for a sec. Let's, let's picture Jesus' earthly mother, okay, Mary, who we talked about at the beginning of the story. Can you imagine Mary on her knees looking at her son, Jesus, on the cross? What that would do to a mother, I cannot imagine. And what she thought in that moment, hands down, no debate about this, what she thought she needed from God in that moment, the number one thing she needed in life was, God, take my son off this cross. This is what I need most right now. And Jesus is on that cross. He's probably looking at his mother thinking, I, I know what's best. Look, you want me off this cross, but look, 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 you actually need me on this cross. You actually need me here. God knows best. And, and, you know, this is the kind of climax of the whole message series. Every, every story leads back to Jesus. And, and the kingdom of Israel and kind of the, all the Old Testament stuff we've been talking about up until this point, really it's a, the perfect example of how God loves people and how God carried out his master plan through these people in the Old Testament. And the good news is, though, it started off for Israel, right? And that was kind of the, kind of the case study, the example of how God interacts with people. But the good news is when Jesus showed up, it no longer was just about Israel. It was about everyone, everyone. Um, and it's not just about the kingdom of Israel. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about the kingdom of heaven. So let's go live for God. Let's go live for his kingdom. And let's always remember in life, that even though we think we know what we need, and we have in our head, God, these are the top priorities in my life, God's probably looking like, yes, and I, I value that, and I hear that, but at the end of the day, God knows best. God knows best, and what we really need most is a Savior, the Messiah, and his name is Jesus. So I want you, I want you to be uh, encouraged by that. Okay, whoa, I went way over. Okay, that's okay. Um, we're going to, uh, let's just pray real quick. Lord, 
I pray that every single person here would be encouraged by that. I pray that we, every single person would know our need for a Savior, our need for you, Jesus. And I pray you'd open our minds and our hearts to that. And I pray that we'd all just go live for your kingdom, love our neighbor as ourselves, be better people for it. And uh, we just love you in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, we're going to take up the offering real quick. Uh, so if you want to be part of what we're doing financially uh, here at Mountainside, you can do that. If we have, uh, do we have ushers today? I think, hypothetically, okay. Elisa, would you be able to grab the buckets underneath the pew there? And we'll, we'll take up the offering. Um, and just as that's happening, I want, I want to remind you, um, you can give it at the back. Uh, on the laptop, you can give online, or you can give through cash or check uh, at the buckets here. Um, if, you know, there's obviously no pressure with that, but if you want to uh, be a part of what we're doing financially. A reminder, next week we are not here. We're at the fair service, okay? So 10 a.m. at the fair service. Uh, it brings free entry to the fair, free breakfast, all the churches together for a big service. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and then next week we're talking about uh, what Jesus set up is this beautiful thing called the church. You know, at his last thing that he said was about the church, and he gave another promise. And we're going to talk about that next time we meet, what the early church looked like, how they did it, how it affects us today. Uh, and then there's actually only one more week after that, and then we're done the message series. Okay, so we're almost through the whole Bible, uh, you know, through the whole story, and, and I thank you for being here with that. Um, just one more quick note. We are back at Belmore, hypothetically, in October, okay? So the plan isn't to be here forever. This was just a summer thing. Uh, but Belmore is so busy right now that they kind of don't take any rental requests until October, okay? So we'll, we'll keep you posted on that. Until then, we're going to be meeting here 9 a.m. every week. Um, and we'll go from there. And how much time? Okay. I, let me do this for one minute, okay? Um, we're doing something called Anchor Year. Could we, could we throw up the, the Anchor Year slide? I just want to give you an update. Um, we, we have set a vision maybe six months ago or eight months ago, I can't remember how long ago it was now, at one point this year of, uh, of Anchor Year. And basically, uh, the concept behind this is uh, we started this church a couple of years ago, and we're not fully funded yet. We're not fully uh, financially sustainable yet. Um, so there's another church in Hamilton that every time we don't meet our monthly budget, this other church really helps us and covers the cost. But we have this goal of, you know, imagine if us as a church, we could raise enough money where we are self-sustaining, right? That's a responsible thing to do. Uh, I think that's the right thing to do. So we've been really pushing towards that um, with, with our giving. So I want to give you an update. If we could throw the next uh, slide there with the actual numbers. Yeah, so this is what we need per week. And again, for some of you, this is a lot of money. For some of you, it's like, oh, that's all it costs. It, churches are all so different. This is our budget, what it looks like. Okay? So we need 3300 every week. Um, so far in 2019, our average has been almost 2800 So that's awesome. Like that's something we should be really proud of, which is great. Um, so from July 1st to August 19th, we needed 26 and we brought in almost 19. So again, like that's really, really, um, that, that's really good. 84% um, of, of the way there in, in total, we're less than $1,000 off uh, each week because our average is uh, 23 2350 there. So 84% of the way there. Um, and it's interesting because this is the summertime. Look, let me encourage you. 
we have never done this well before, okay? So, like, don't look at that and be like, oh, we're still short about it. She's like, whoa, we've never been this close before, like, this in the summertime. So we're just really counting and praying and hoping that, you know, now that the fall's back, a lot of families are back, um, that that number's just going to go up and exceed what we actually need uh, to make it up for the summer. So I want to just kind of give you this update of where we're at. Um, I want to say thank you for giving, thank you for tithing and uh, giving your offerings and sacrificing to make Mountainside run. Where You know, it's not like we get money from the government to run every week. It's literally, th this room is how we run. It's, it's we all uh, sacrifice and give, and I thank you for that. And I just want to give this fall goal. This is the final shot of the year, this next couple months, to get to 100%. We've got this, okay? We've got this. Let's keep going. This is our anchor year. The analogy of we're kind of like the boats of church, and we're kind of, you know, we're going to, no, we're dropping the anchor. There's stability. There's assurance there, right? So um, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. We've never been this far. We've got, let's just, this little gap left. A couple months, let's meet that gap. And uh, I'm believing good, good, good things for this year. Amen? Anyone agree with that? Yeah, we're, yeah, we're really excited. We're really excited. So, um, all right, that's it. Um, we will see you next week at the fair service, 10 a.m. at the grandstands by Memorial Hall, okay? God bless. We'll see you next time.